Welcome to another Maramara Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message from Declan Smith. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together. It is. Um, I'm going to ask this every week, and you're going to get sick of me. Um, and, and, I, and I worry that people have started referring to me as the Energizer Bunny, and I'm slightly worried about that. Um, but I ask this not as sort of as a hype, but, but as a challenge. Who's been excited about the gospel this week? Yeah, come on, right? Are we excited? Yes, we are, right? Who's excited about what the gospel can do in our world, right? That's what's tremendously exciting for us. We've been exploring John's gospel for these um, past couple of weeks and for the next wee while together. And as we've already discovered, John didn't tell the story because it's a good story, just because it's good news. He wanted to tell it because he knew its power to transform the world. John had discovered what it meant to live like under the authority of Jesus As Phil described to us this morning, under the kingdom of God, John had discovered that that meant freedom, that meant a new way of living, that the kingdom that Jesus brought is one of eternal life. It's not fleeting, it's something that is reliable, something that is sure for us, that when the reality of life is coming, and I got to speak even to some people this morning, and life doesn't seem to stop, it just seems to keep on going, but because we live under the kingdom of God, Our life has a different sense of surety. And John knew this. And last week, John was trying to show us that when Jesus came, that he was painting this picture that what we saw begin in creation when he came and he breathed life and we all got to live and have bodies and animals and the sun and all of these things, that Jesus was there, but his coming again when he came, as we're reading in the Gospel of John, was about bringing that into a newer type of reality, into real life, into a new creation to complete the start of the work that he had begun. And that was John's revelation of the power of the gospel, that Jesus was coming to do that, to transform the world around him. And that's why John was so compelled, right, to write and to share this gospel, so that we might believe, right? He wants us to believe this because it's so transformative for him, and he wants it to be transformative to us and to the world around us, because John had a huge amount of hope that the world would be renewed through the story of Jesus. I've been um, real blessed this week in some ways, in other ways I'm really tired, but such is life. Um, Wednesday and Thursday, I, I spent some time in Auckland with around 20 or 30 of of my colleagues, I would call them, um, Baptist leaders and pastors um, from other parts of the country, um, mostly all around my age, so that's sort of 30-something, right? I'm not 20, okay? I'm getting old now. Um, And and it was was a really good time we spent together. Our our national leader, Charles Hewlett, he called a bunch of us together um, for a really specific specific purpose to talk together about this idea of what it actually means for the gospel to be renewing the world around us. And how we as a community of churches, not just individual churches, but as as Baptist churches in New Zealand, might collectively pivot ourselves to refocus ourselves on that mission to actually see gospel renewal actually happening in New Zealand. 
to move our collective towards that reality that we're reading about in John's Gospel, right? The mission of God to share the good news with everyone around, with the expectant hope that that good news would cause such transformation and renewal in our world. Because that's what we believe, that the gospel of Jesus Christ just actually does have the power to change lives and to change our world. And it was really good to just sit with them and to talk and to dream, but also to share story. And I got to go and, and, and I came away so encouraged by what God is doing here. Because I, as I sat and I got to say, hey, I've, I've been seeing God doing this amongst some people in our church. I've seen this thing happen. I've seen this thing happen. All of these stories that sometimes are not um, necessarily appropriate for me to share on a Sunday morning, um, but lots of things that I get the privilege of seeing in ways that God is transforming people in our community right now, people sitting in this room that God is doing a mighty work in and their lives are changing, and that is amazing. And I got to share these stories and I was always so encouraged by the response because people would go, wow, God is actually doing these things? How exciting is that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is exciting. Sometimes these things happen, you go, okay, cool, these things are happening among us, right? We go, okay, we're Maramara Baptist Church out here in the in the boon, some people think we're in like the boondocks, right? They're like, they have no, no concept of like that this is actually the greatest place in the world to live, right? <laughs> we love it here, right? But, um, but, but you know, we, we might sort of think, okay, we're just, we're Maramara Baptist doing our thing. But, but as I got to share story, I, I just kept being reminded that actually what I'm seeing God do among us is a reminder that somehow together, when we come together, we are a significant force for the gospel in our town, and in our nation, as Mara Mara Baptist Church together, we are a significant force for the restoration work that God is doing, and we're seeing it happen right now as we work alongside Him. Because that's who we are. We're not a name on a, on a billboard, right, or out the front, okay, we're Mara Mara Baptist Church, but what we are at our heart is a collective of people coming together around this gospel that we love and going, it is so transformative to us that we need to share it. And we need to share the way that Jesus has taught us to live and live that out to the people around us. That's who we are. We find our true identity in the power of the gospel. And so today, like I've just, as I've been digging into this next bit of John, I've just been getting the sense that that's what God wants to remind us of today. That actually we have significant purpose and importance and value in a very specific way that he's going to challenge and encourage us today. So we're going to jump in in John 1 from verse 14, which is about where we finished last week, um, but we're going to carry on a little bit further. So I hope maybe you've got your Bible with you. Maybe you'll be struggling to get the Bible app working, but um, that's okay. We'll pray for your, for your phone to do that. Um, obviously, we'll have it up here too. Um, and another reminder, if you want a Bible, come and chat to me. I'd love to, I'd love to gift you one. We've got some available. But before we jump in, can we just pray together? God, as we just take a second this morning to dig into your word, as we explore this little portion of scripture, God, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us courage to be encouraged? 
Would you give us perhaps enough faith to be emboldened by these words, challenged by them towards that good work that you have called us to, spreading the story of new life in Jesus. Be present with us as we dig in today, God. Amen. So we start in verse 14, right? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, just to clarify here, when we read this word John, this isn't John, the writer of the Gospel of John. John is talking about a different John, one that we would call John the Baptist. Many of you may be familiar with his name or John, or John the Baptizer. Um, John the Baptist was, was Jesus' cousin, born to Mary's sister Elizabeth. And John the Baptist is, is the focus of the beginning of John the Writers. I know this gets confusing, but basically from here on out when I'm talking about John, I'm talking about John the Baptist. And, and this is the focus of where we're going to dig in to today. And we get the re a real little glimpse of John the Baptizer's sort of purpose um, a little bit further back in verse 6 of John 1. Um, and I know we skipped over it last week, but we'll jump in. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's a bit like those um, Irish limericks, right? There once was a man from whatever, right? There once was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. Remember that light of Jesus that we looked at? So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So there's this man, John the Baptizer, and he had a pretty powerful and impressive pre-Jesus ministry. John lived in the desert, and, and there in the desert, besides eating honey and um, locusts, that's right, right? Besides doing those things and wearing camels here, his, his main purpose was actually to be out in the desert calling the people, the Jewish people, to real repentance, calling them to turn back to God, away from their lives of sin, of selfishness, how they had corrupted what it meant to follow God through all of the extensive legalism. And he was calling the people back to God to repent from their ways. And he would perform a sign with them as a mark of that real repentance, right? He would get them and he would dunk them under the water, right? This idea of immersion, right? Which is where our word baptism comes from, the idea of immersing. That's why we call him John the Baptist, not because he went to church meetings, right? But because he baptized people. But John was really clear in all of his um, ministry in, in, in the desert that his purpose was to prepare the way for something, that he himself was not the way, but he was preparing for something who was someone who was actually coming after him. That this turning back to God that he was calling people to was about preparing their hearts to receive the Savior of the world, the Messiah who was coming. 
And his ministry out in the desert is actually really powerful. A lot of stuff is going on and it's causing a little bit of a stir. All of the Jewish faith leaders are trying to figure out what is going on with John. All of these people are going out into the desert and listening to this random man whose breath stinks and he's eating camel, like, what is going on? And so they're, they're, they're intrigued by his ministry, but they're also afraid of John. Because how can he call the people to repentance? That was their job. Repentance happens through the sacrifices that we administer in the temple, was their perspective. And so they were afraid about how his message would affect their amount of power and their amount of control over the Jewish people. And so they sent people out to John in the desert to inquire about him. And we can pretty safely assume, I think, that they hoped that John would, would slip up. We see this often with Jesus, right? These, these Jewish leaders are trying to catch him, in a, catch him in a gotcha sort of question, right? And we can sort of see the same thing happen here. I think they're trying to catch out John so that they could accuse him of, of blasphemy or, or something like that, and then they could put him in jail and his ministry would be shut down and their power and their control over the Jewish people would be maintained. And so they sent these people. And we read in verse 19, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. That statement's pretty powerful, eh? I go like, yeah, come on. And it's here in John's answers in this moment where he's engaging with questions about our identity that we're going to be able to, I hope, find some, some encouragement and some challenge for us. What I first love is, is how John begins, right? Having spoken a lot about the Messiah, about the coming of God, this, this turn to repentance, there's this big challenge for John. He, he rightly presumes that the Jewish leaders aren't coming for a tea party, right? They, they, they're coming to be able to shout blasphemy at him. And John getting these responses wrong could really easily lead to his death. And so John's response here is, is really interesting. We read there in verse 20, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. And at first glance, we could read this, okay, John's, John the Baptist says, I am not the Messiah, cool. But what he's actually doing here is really, really, really powerful. You see the double use of the word confess there? John the writer has, has been very clear as he's talking about John the Baptist. He's, he's, he's trying to, to paint a picture that it, that it wasn't just John saying, them asking, are you the Messiah, and him saying no. There is, there is a clear expression, there is a clear boldness from John not just a denial about his identity. 
It was a clear statement from him, actually, that he wasn't going to back down from the revelation of God, because he was standing out there saying, I am not the Messiah, which is implying he really, really, really believes that he is pointing towards the one, that that one is coming. I'm not going to be quiet about my message. I'm not going to try and now suddenly flip the switch for my own gain. I'm not the Messiah. He is coming. He is coming. He is coming. His denial that he is the Messiah is to make clear Jesus is. And John believes it. And I'm not going to change my tune just because you're here confronting me over it. He is not going to shut up about his message is actually what we can see from John. John doesn't back down from speaking the truth of the gospel that hasn't actually even been fully played out yet, right? We're just at the beginning of, of, of this gospel. We haven't seen all the story of Jesus. John the Baptist certainly hasn't seen really any of the story of Jesus yet, but he was willing to shout from the rooftops, Someone is coming who has the power to change the world, to restore the people back to God. In some ways, he's even saying to the Levites and to the priests, that was your purpose. But you failed. And someone is coming who's actually going to do your job for real. You see, even in the face of danger for John personally, he's not willing to back down from his message. So the first thing, obviously, we have to take from this little conversation about John's identity is not just that John wasn't the Messiah, but is to take courage in his courage in the face of danger. The gospel is the greatest story that's ever been told. And it's alive and it's real today. Jesus has real power to affect change in our world. He's actually the only one who does, right? I hope we, we, we sort of realize this, right? We, we think, you know, all sorts of people come and say that they, they have the ability that if, I, if we do this, things are going to get better, or if we do that, things are going to get better, right? Or if we throw out the, with everybody from the left to the right to the up to the down, right? They're all saying they've got an answer for the world to be better, But we have to continue to remember that none of that is actually going to do anything in comparison to the power of the gospel. That what Jesus can do to restore life, to restore dignity, to restore hope, to restore the world back to himself is so much more than any government or anybody could ever do. And so the question for us becomes, are we willing to take the side of the gospel? like John did, with that level of boldness and courage. In some ways, are we not just going to leave it up to the government or to sort of fix all the mess or to just sort of write it off as a lost cause? Oh, well, the world is the way it is, and one day we're going to go to heaven, and okay, cool, that's okay. So we'll be right. But would we take courage like John to powerfully declare the message that we have, that Jesus is the carrier of new life, of freedom, a new type of kingdom that he has brought to this world right now for those who choose to follow him. That Jesus has the answers. 
I look at John and I go, am I willing to be as bold as John? To look fear and rejection and whatever people might say about me in the face and say, I don't have any answers. I am not saviour, but I know him and I know his kingdom. And that kingdom is going to fix our broken world. Do we have the boldness of John? Let's just sit here for a minute. God, would you give us the boldness of John? The next part of John's identity conversation is also really, really powerful for us because it's going to speak to our purpose and who we really are. John has said, I am not the Messiah. And so they start to question him. And they say, well, are you Elijah? And this is an interesting question that needs a little bit of context for us to get. Elijah was a prophet in the desert, interestingly enough, hundreds of years before this moment that we're reading about. And, and there's, there's this moment there with Elijah where he's called up to heaven and he rides into, into heaven on the chariots of fire, right? Dun, 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 right? You can read all about that, Second Kings chapter 2 if you want. Um, so this is Elijah, hundreds of years ago, and he hasn't died. It's been recorded that he has risen up into heaven on these chariots of fire. And, and there's prophecy in, in Malachi that, that is pointing to the fact that one day Elijah is going to come back, and he would return to prepare the way for the Savior, for the Messiah, for the one who was coming. And now John is out here saying that that's what he's doing. Right, I am here to make way, you know, make straight the way for the Lord. He's declaring this this act to call people to repentance, to prepare for Jesus' coming. And so they ask, well, are you Elijah? And what does John say? He says, I'm not. Which is kind of interesting. Because Jesus says many times about John the Baptist. We're going to read it, you know, you can read it in, in all three other Gospels. There's these moments where, where, where Jesus says very clearly, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this, of this prophecy of Elijah coming. And so John's answer really here should be, yes, yes, I am Elijah. Because Jesus certainly said that he was. And so what is going, like, what is going on here? John could simply just be playing them for fools. I'm not Elijah, my name is John. Right? How could you? Oh, you've got my name wrong. Right? He's, he's sort of, I think, possibly digging into a little bit of mockery here for them. Did, did you really think that a prophecy about a man who went to heaven hundreds of years ago in a chariot of fire meant that that same physical body would come back down? And even if it did, you wouldn't recognize him because you weren't alive and you don't have a camera. So how would you know it was Elijah anyway? And Elijah was however many hundred years old and here I am at 35, right? You know, he's kind of like, I couldn't be Elijah. Even, even if you thought it was possible, like, you know, he's trying to point, you've, you've missed the point here of, of sort of saying, hey, are you Elijah? He's like, well, no, of course I'm, 
not Elijah, despite the fact that he, he is the one who is fulfilling that prophecy of Elijah. Some other scholars also see another side to John's response with a picture of humility. John's message in saying that he wasn't Elijah was, was pretty clear. I'm nobody. I'm just a messenger for the somebody. For John, if you think about it, to have taken that mantle and said, yes, I am Elijah. Like, okay, the, the Jewish leaders wouldn't have believed him. They've locked him up and thrown him in jail. But some people would have, right? Some people have gone, oh, Elijah has returned. He's in the desert. We better, we better go and see. And they'll get all excited about Elijah coming. And John's like, well, I don't need you to get excited about Elijah coming. I need you to get about excited that, that, that the Messiah is returning. That's my whole job. And so if I sort of stand on this pedestal and say, yeah, here I am. I'm, a, I'm the fulfillment of the prophecy of Elijah. It's going to distract people from what he is actually about. So perhaps John, in that moment of saying, no, I'm not Elijah, sets aside any focus on himself so that the message that he had could be seen more clearly. And then in the same way, they, they asked him, well, are you the prophet? And this was a, a similar Jewish figure that they have in their heads based on, based on the word, words of Moses, where um, Moses had, had predicted that someone like himself would return and lead the people out of oppression, just how Moses, you know, led them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, that someone was coming who they called a prophet who would do that again. And, if, and John's response, of course, just there is, is, well, no. For us with our sort of, you know, post-gospel eyes, it's pretty easy for us to see that this idea of the prophet is, is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And so John's just going, no, I'm not him. I'm not what you're looking for, I'm just pointing the way. John didn't want anything that he did or said to distract from his message. And so he just continues to answer, I'm not, I'm not, no, it's not me. I'm not the one you're looking for, but listen to my words. And I think that probably these constant sort of avoiding answers that John is taking here probably got the priests and the Levites a little bit PO'd. And that's what we can sort of see in their response there. Like, well, well, well tell us something, right? They've, they've been sent to try and catch John with a gotcha question so they can lock him up. And, and he's so good at avoiding their questions. And I think these guys are now probably worried about their own necks at that point. Well, we're going to go back to their leaders and they're going to say, well, who is John? And he says, he didn't tell us. We have no idea. So, so, you know, they, they, they want something. So they're going to go, well, who are you? If you're not Elijah and you're not the prophet and you're not the Messiah, who are you? And that's where John gives this most powerful answer. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. When asked to declare his own identity, he didn't say, I'm John the baptizer. He didn't say, I'm the real Elijah, even though he was. He didn't say, hey, I'm John, the son of Zechariah, 
right? His father, Zechariah, was, was someone who, who worked in the temple, and so maybe these people might have known him, and maybe he could have sort of curried a bit of favor. So that was true, but, but he, didn't, he didn't talk about that. He didn't find his identity in his history or his lineage or his name or anything that he did, but he found his identity in his purpose. Who am I, he says? I proclaim boldly the king is near. He is coming. And when I think about our church and where I'm digging into maybe where God is calling us to continue as we walk into 2024, I think this is what my hope might be. When I talk to others who know little about our church, there's a sense that they have a preconceived notion. Okay, we are Matamata Baptist Church. We don't have a cool name, right? We're not in a cool part of the country, right? Surely we, we've probably, you know, we're all rural, so you've probably got some of those sort of wacky conspiracy theory people in your church, right? They, these sorts of things that people, how people might perceive us because of what we are named and where we are. But I believe God wants to highlight for us today that like John, we find our identity not in our name, not in what people would call us or what people would presume about us because of who we are or where we live or anything, but that we would find our purpose like John, that we are voices in the wilderness of matamata calling make straight the way for the Lord. Our truest identity and who we are is our calling to connect people to Jesus, just like John the Baptist. Just like John, the writer of this gospel, who had this clear purpose to write it so that people would believe, we have a similar clear purpose and assignment in our section of the wilderness of the world. For most of us, that's here in Matamata. For some of us, it might be a bit further afield. People like Sarah Billings, who's probably watching this morning. Hey, Sarah, you know, that's in parts of Papua New Guinea where she serves on the mercy ship. And people like Micah Baxendine and Julian Omega, these people who serve elsewhere. But for most of us, we've found our wilderness and where we live. And we carry an identity not of a name on a door, but an identity of carrying the message of Jesus. I am one, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. So what do we do with that? I don't want us to leave here today and sort of go, okay, cool. The Energizer Bunny's gotten up and had his moment and and, and, and gotten us maybe a little bit excited and okay, cool, the gospel's great and we go on our way, right? That's not the point. If we look at the picture of John, it's not calling us to get a little bit excited, it's calling us to a level of boldness and strength and continuance in our expression of who Jesus is, and to find our identity 
in that, our purpose, everything about who we are in that thing of bringing the gospel to the world. Because if we think about, okay, how it affects me, the gospel does this for me, like, cool, that's great. But Jesus didn't come to earth to die on a cross and save a few, right? He came for the whole world. And we don't find our identity just in the fact that we have received salvation for ourselves, the testimony of John the Baptist calls us to find identity in something more, that we have the responsibility to go, to multiply what God has given us, to not keep the story to ourselves. Boldness that comes from a surety in who we are, that we are Jesus' heralds. And that's only good if we actually go about it. Again, we could leave here today and go, cool, excellent. We're inspired to share the gospel. I think the person sitting next to me will really be encouraged by that. I saw them bring that person to church last week. Great job. We're doing an awesome work. But it's our identity and we're all part of the body, right? And we all do this thing together. We're family. And if that one person at the in your family who doesn't ever do the dishes, right? And you know them and you're like, come on, why do I have to, you know? You guys know that you're all thinking of that person now, aren't you? That person who doesn't do the chore they're supposed to do or they never pick up their underwear or all those sorts of things, right? And we sit in that space and we go, yeah, we know exactly what that feels, right? I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want to call anybody out because I feel as, as much for me as for anybody else, right? But I go, it becomes all of our responsibility, we're family, we do this together, it becomes all of our responsibility, not just the few. And God is calling all of us to ask that question, where is that wilderness that He's calling us specifically to go? That place where He challenges you to call out, make straight the way of the Lord. To declare the story of Jesus loud, clearly, boldly, through actions and through speech because that's what he's really called us to be and to do. Not to be someone else, not to be our own God and looking after ourselves, but simply to be the hands and feet pointing people towards the Savior. And I don't like that for myself sometimes. I think it's a bit easier for me to go, okay, cool, I can come to church. I can prepare a message to encourage you guys to go and do it. I can sit in my office, right? You kind of go, okay, no, no, no. If I'm releasing the people, then, then I'm okay. I want, I want you to know this is, this is just as challenging for me. And I'm sitting here and I'm asking my, myself, okay, where's that wilderness for me? Who is that person this week? Not next week or in a couple of months, but this week. That God's calling me to be just as bold as John. No fear, no delay. I'm not the Messiah, but I know who he is. And I pray that, that maybe you'd have the courage to, to join with me in seeking God for what that might look like for you. So God, we just come before you today. 
humbly recognizing that we are nothing in comparison to who you are, the Savior of the world. And we say thank you because you found us, because you called us to yourself, and we have freedom, and we have new life, and we live under your new kingdom, and that's awesome for us, and amazing for us, and we worship you, and we praise you because of that. But God, we ask that you would give us courage that it would not stop there for ourselves. Would you speak to us? Just as you spoke so clearly to John the Baptist that this is what I've got to do and this is where I've got to go and this is how I've got to declare the gospel of Jesus. Even though he didn't even know who Jesus was yet. God, would you speak to us? Maybe just, maybe you want to say, God, would you speak to me? And so maybe you just want to stand and you want to do that. Because it's one thing to sort of sit it in our hearts and go, okay, cool, God, would you speak to me? Sing some songs and go out the door. But God, we're just going to wait for a second. God, would you speak to us about where our wilderness is, about who our wilderness is? Thanks for tuning in. If you want to connect with us more, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or you can send us an email through our church website, maramarabaptist.org. See you soon.